Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. When a Bavarian lawyer started to have trouble with his telephone, he had no idea that his quiet office was about to be plagued by a massive poltergeist attack, resulting in one of the most well-documented cases of this sort of activity ever recorded. This case brought in a number of experts, disrupting the work of the office for many weeks, yet no one could pinpoint the source of the problems. Was it a curse? witchcraft, or fraudulent activity within the office itself. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we will examine the facts behind the Rosenheim poltergeist and leave you to make up your own mind about this baffling case. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. In the heart of Rosenheim, a quaint Bavarian town in Germany, the 1960s bore witness to an enigma that left both skeptics and believers equally baffled. An ordinary law office, with its typical humdrum of daily affairs, suddenly found itself thrust into a realm of the inexplicable. The core of the disturbances, much to the astonishment of the office workers, appeared to revolve around one staff member. As days turned into weeks, the intrigue only deepened drawing the attention of local media, curious onlookers, and eventually, experts from various fields. Hans Bender, a prominent figure in the world of parapsychology, was particularly drawn to the mystery, seeing in it an opportunity to delve deeper 
into the uncharted territories of the supernatural. His investigations, coupled with those of electrical engineers and other specialists, endeavoured to shed light on the occurrences that defied all conventional explanations. The Rosenheim conundrum remains, to this day, one of the most meticulously documented and fiercely debated cases in paranormal history. Was it a genuine manifestation of otherworldly forces? A mere hoax? Or a complex interplay of psychological factors? Dive into the story to unravel a tapestry of human emotions, scientific intrigue, and the ever-persistent question, what lies beyond the boundaries of our understanding? Welcome back, Anne, to the studio. Oh, thank you, Renata. And we are recording this just a week and a bit away uh, from our trip to New Orleans. So uh, you will be hearing this uh, on the morning uh, of our leaving for the airport. Yes. Yes. Because we start our holiday the day before we leave for the airport. Yes. And we we count it from there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait to see all these beautiful sights over there and taste the food and be and with our lovely and uh, taste the food group and of people. Taste the food <laughs> and do paranormal investigations. Yes. But we're going to go to the Myrtles and investigate. We've done a podcast on it. Yes. And we're going to be at, uh, staying near the Ursuline the Convent. Convent. So mm-hmm. we're going to go visit that. And there's so many other places that we've we've looked at mm-hmm. historically and, and we're going to be there. Yes. That excites me the most. Very exciting. Uh, and we thought we'd do something a little bit different other than just commenting again or doing a podcast on a haunted site. We thought we would choose a poltergeist poltergeist, a, a polter, poltergeist. poltergeist case, uh, which is always very interesting and I, intriguing. I enjoy them, but I... I get frustrated sometimes that I don't get the amount of time to really dig as deep as I'd like to. Even though we dig deep, I want to go further. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to get, you know, I want to <clears throat> pick the, the nits off the fleas. Right. There's a t-shirt okay. for that, I'm sure. Mm. No. No? Mm. no okay. I don't think I'd wear that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we are going to Bavaria. And we've been to Bavaria? We're going to Bavaria. Oh, it was beautiful too. We wanted to spend way more time in Bavaria. Mm -hmm. We wanted to spend way more time everywhere we went. Anyway, go on, Renata. We're going to explore a uh, lawyer's office. And this this office sits in Rosenheim, hence why it is called the Rosenheim Poltergeist. And the address of it is number 13... Oh, lucky 13. Oh, I didn't realise it was 13. Yes, 13. 13. Uh, Strasse. Oh, is she going to show off now? In, in Rosenheim. So it's right in the centre of the township. I did my and Duolingo for six months on German, you know, and you, I still am very proud of my Entschuldigung, and you still laugh at me about it. But then I heard that homeless man come up and go, Entschuldigung. I went, see, they do use that word. Right. Sorry, I squirrel. I'm squirreling everywhere, everyone. It's a one of those days, so hang on to your knickers. It's going to be a wild ride. Okay. Let me just go back. Okay. Go back, we go back. are investigating a poltergeist at uh, Bavarian Lawyer's uh, office. Um, it is in the middle of the township of Rosenheim. It is at number 13 Königstrasse, 
and it is a tall building that has various professional men with their consulting rooms in it. So it's not a standalone. It is part of a you know, mass of other offices. Yep. And uh, all of this started in about 1967. So all was going well. And in uh, the summer of 1967, the telephones in this office started to malfunction. This is how it all started. And it was reported by the office staff. So they were saying things like that the telephones would come on, uh, there'd be clicks on the other end, and then they would be cu- they would be cut off. Now, this is in the 1960s, <clears throat> wasn't it? Yes, so yep. very different telephones. Yep. Yep. Uh, and sometimes all four receivers would ring. So there was obviously four telephone lines. They would ring and then the line would just go dead. Oh, so, yeah. But I used to do that. I, I used to ring up uh, Roman's parents' house hoping that I'd be able to hear his voice. Oh, stop it. And then when the parents answer, I'd go, uh, answer the phone, I'd go, <gasps> and I'd hang up. Oh. So they thought they'd have a heavy, heavy breather on the other oh, end. <laughs> Well, this went on for a little bit of time. Yeah, it did. And it kind of... I'm talking about this. Oh, sorry. And uh, it just became well too frequent to overlook it. Overlook this. So the office manager, Johannes Engelhardt, and the, the gentleman whose office this was and whose uh, business this was, was called Herr Hart. Oh, sorry, Herr Adam. Oh, not, so that not was Harry Hart. <laughs> Harry Hart. Hair, as in Mister Hair Adam, and Adam is his surname. Uh, so Johannes Engelhart, the office manager, called in the repairman from Siemens, which was the company that installed the equipment. I'm behaving. And good. And they checked the junction box and the four telephones. Was it swimming and, with a sticky and substance? I, I want it. No. Stop. Stop. We're trying to get through this. Oh, are we? Sorry. Uh, and they spent several weeks at the office and they tested the wiring and the equipment. Now, they found absolutely no faults, but they still replaced the receivers and the junction box. But this didn't improve matters at all. And so what they did is they called in the post office. Now, in October, the post office replaced the Siemens equipment with official post office telephones. And they installed their own meter uh, so that when they were making calls, the calls could be recorded visibly in the office by a counter with a similar meter at the telephone exchange to provide an official record. Now, all this was happening because behind all of this, Herr Adam thought that maybe something nefarious was going on. Maybe there was a plan of attack by maybe one of his prior clients and they were messing up the whole system, that something was going on. Um, But as I go through this information, you will kind of really get the gist that this was, uh, and as mentioned in sort of the soundscape, people from all different areas came in to fix things, to change things, to move things and to observe things. And the Germans aren't prone to flights of fancy either. So they would just been very level-headed and we have a problem, we need to fix it, get in the appropriate person to fix said problem uh, and then go, why isn't this problem fixed? Yeah. Yeah. So here Adam uh, asked all of his staff and the office manager, uh, Herr Engelhardt, to actually write down all the t- calls that they were making. 
So they had to then have an official note notebook with all of this. Uh, now, on October the 5th of 1967, Herr Adam and Herr Engelhardt were amazed to see that the meter uh, even registered a call when there was no one in the office and no one was using a phone. So remember, they had this um, register sitting in the office and yep. every time a call was made, it would uh, register it yep. uh, with the time of the call and everything. Yep. And what kind of, what phone, which phone was being used. So they could work out who it was that was doing it. Yeah, who it was that was doing it. And they could then do something horrible to them. Um, so, again, all of this was co- was also costing money. You know, when all of these phone calls were being made... Every phone call cost money. So and this the phone is another- calls were to the time, if I remember correctly. The, I don't know if you remember that um, back in your, your little girl days when the, you could ring up a certain number and they'd go, at the stroke, it will be 9.04 precisely. Yeah, I'm getting to that. I'm getting oh, to okay, that. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I got excited. So doesn't, doesn't take much. Yep, dozens of undialed calls had been registered, and the post office insisted that all the calls had been made in the normal way. Uh, and even more peculiar, as you had just mentioned, that they had all been made to the speaking clock. Yeah. Now, n- none of you young people know what the speaking clock is, but Anne actually just said what it would have sounded like when you made that call. I did pretty good, didn't yep. I? Yeah. Did that, you used to call the speaking clock? Yes, everyone oh, used to call I the did. speaking clock. I, I used to. And um, I remember there was one time that I started saying really funny things because I thought it was just a recording. So I'm going, oh, wow, you've got a lovely voice. I really like you. How are you going today? And then I heard this. <laughs> I went, oh, my God, it's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> now, also the bizarre thing was why would they be calling the speaking clock when they had clocks in the offices? They, had, they were next to a uh, church which had two clocks that would chime the hour. It probably annoyed the living daylights out of them. And they all had watches. So why actually do this? Hmm. Hmm. So Adam further pointed out that although uh, 17 seconds I needed to dial and connect with this speaking clock. Now, the reason why that happens is to all our young people out there is that we had the rotary dial. Yes. So you particularly if it was a zero, which I think it was in that number, you have to sort of rotate the dial all the way around so it goes around and goes tick 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 as it goes back. You can't dial anything quickly. And this is really important because there is one instance where as many as six calls are made in one minute. And, of course, this made the bill skyrocket. So if it and takes it's 17 impossi- seconds yeah, it's by impossible. six. Yeah. It's impossible. On the 31st of October, they replaced the telephone lines again. And this time the dolls were locked and only Herr Adam had a key. Mm. Gosh. That sounds like a great boss. Yeah, how, how awful would have been the office scenario then? Yeah, it wouldn't be a nice vibe in there, no. would it? So this made no difference. And on the 8th of November, Adam was really, really angry because he received a huge bill. I am angry. And this didn't correspond with the records that he had. Because remember, he's keeping records. Yeah, so he thinks someone's ripping him off now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of accusations flying about um, of embezzlement or maybe fraud. Uh, And 
Yeah, he's he's starting to ring around going, this can't be happening. Someone is disturbing the office and making regular phone calls and it's impossible for that to happen. And you don't do that to a solicitor. You do not muck with a solicitor. No, no. I'm dealing with uh, my dad's solicitor at the moment and she is a very thorough lady and I'm scared. <laughs> very scared. Now, again, we had this whole thing with the speaking clock. The speaking clock had been connected to between 500 and 600 times. Oh, and wow. on one day alone, they have a, um, a note to say that it was connected with in, for 80 times. <gasps> 80 times. And it costs per call. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. But it didn't just finish with that. On the 20th, 20th of October... So this is going on for a little while. This is 1967, so it's it's getting into, you know, quite a length of time of all these bizarre bizarre things happening. Can I just tell you that some of our listeners weren't born then? I know. That's very depressing. So the office lights then started to go out. They would start to go with out with a bang. And Herr Bauer, who was an electrician from Stearns, that was a local electrical company. He was called in to repair all of these things. So he examined the lights and found that each fluorescent tube had actually been turned 90 degrees in its socket and had been disconnected. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He had finished replacing all of the tubes. He put his ladder away uh, and then there was another bang. Pop. So the tubes had once again been twisted and they disconnected themselves again. So that was as he was going along. As he was going along. Hmm. Now, he was even more puzzled when the office staff told him that the automatic fuses in the office had ejected themselves for no apparent reason. So sometimes all four circuits all at once. (coughs) Now, he's there. Yeah. And not the sort of person I imagine that would be um, taking any nonsense. Mm-hmm. He was the one that actually said um, he can't work this out. He has no idea how physically this can happen and he actually called it witchcraft. There's, there's some sort of a curse or witches have been playing around here because well, it's impossible. Again, this is the 60s. You'd think they'd be getting a little bit more enlightened by now. Mm. Since no fault could be found in the office, he thought that there must be something wrong with the electricity supply. So he's checked the office, he's checked all the connections, weird stuff's going on, he can't work out why it's happening, so let's go to the electricity supply and let's see what's going in there. So the German Electricity Board was asked to take over the investigation. Ah, dear. The... the those crazy Germans will be um, very annoyed that they can't actually explain what is going on because they would like to have a logical explanation for everything. Mm -hmm. Now, on the 15th of November, there were extensive checks that were run on the wiring and appliances at 13 Königstrasse and and also in uh, Herr Adams' flat because he lived above the building. As Uh, they did in those days. Now, everything was found to be satisfactory uh, and all short circuits were ruled out as a possible cause for what was going on. And on the 16th of November, Siemens Unireg, which is an electrical instrument that shows voltage fluctuations on a single track pen recorder, was installed in the office. Oh, well, that's going to work out what's happening and yeah. the time it's going to happen. And that will give them loads more knowledge to sort that out. 
Yep. So if you look at it, it looks like kind of oh, an ECG machine type of uh-huh. thing where everything's plugged in and you've got this piece of paper that goes uh, around and a little pen that sits in oh. and notes well, the changes and fluctuations. Is that sort of like um, what's when you have an earthquake? You, you yes, can see that, the, that kind oh, of thing. There you go. Yep, yep. So the machine was sealed to prevent tampering and over the next few weeks it was established that abnormal deflections on the paper record had occurred. So there were spikes. <laughs> yeah, there were spikes, but only during office hours and not on the weekends. Right. So only when people were in the office. Okay. Mm, so Mm-mm. here we go, back Mm-mm. to the people that are in the office. Okay. The automatic fuses were replaced with screw-in types and the rule of uh, the to, to rule out trickery. Uh, and these were then all sealed. So they're making it as hard as possible for any human tampering mm-hmm. to go on. So now we're in November. Uh, so this is going on quite a few weeks. Yep. So we've got the 20th of November after a normal morning of the tubes twisting and voltage variations and bangs and the fluorescent tubes falling out on the floor and shattering. Uh, Must be costing him a bomb in phone calls and light bulbs. So then, to top it off, there's a huge surge in the electrical current, 50 amps, which was registered, uh, yet the safety fuses did not blow. Okay, so were they faulty? Well... On examining the readout, Brunner was puzzled to see loops instead of expected straight lines, and other tubes fell as well during the day. Now, I'm just going through the facts here, if you haven't realised. Yeah, it's just so that on. you can um, yeah. plot out the timeline of what is happening. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going into the people that are in the office. I'm just no, stating... No, because that's for me. Yeah, I'm just stating all of the things that start to go on. So, it's yep. first of all, the telephones, then it's the lights, then it's the electricity. Yep. On the 21st of November, um, as a safety measure, all the fluorescent tubes in the office are replaced with normal light tubes, not or light bulbs. Oh, so it could be the fluorescent that's the problem, that yeah. new fandangle fluorescent thing. But then we make a change. The There are loud bangs being heard, all right, but it now is the photocopier. Oh. And the photocopier starts to leak chemicals. Uh-oh. Now, it's plugged in, but it's not switched on. And Brunner is wondering if maybe the electricity has been conducted into the building through maybe gas and water mains. So the team this runs... This is reminding me of another case, and I can't remember what it is. Mm. It's just just tweaking the back of my memory. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody will remember which one it was. So the team run a number of tests, and everything is ruled out. All of that works well. Now, when Wednesday, 22nd of November, the light bulbs begin to explode. The neighbourhood now is searched for freak power sources. Maybe someone's plugged something in or is using somebody else's office power or whatever it might be, but nothing is found. Now, on Thursday, the 23rd of November, the office apartment is disconnected from the electrical mains and is connected directly by cable to the transformer in the high-tension station K2 in Königstrasse. So, So is that to make sure that it bypasses anyone else that might be hacking their lines and and trying to... Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, they're, they're covering everything they can think of, aren't they? Yep, yep. 
So on Friday, the 24th of November, Bruneth now thinks that the mystery is over. He's found full deflections on the paper record. And some of the deflections are so savage that it actually rips the paper. Um, and this isn't something that's supposed to be happening. It, it just ha- doesn't happen this way. But all the electrical equipment in the office is satisfactory. Nothing is going on. So the kind of the electricians are relieved at this point because they're kind of going, it's not us. Okay, it's not us. We've we've looked at everything. Her, um, Who's her, footing the bill for all of yeah, this in her, the meantime? Adam, can you please stop saying that it's something that we're doing because it's not? Well, he has to. Now, Monday, the 27th of October, a, um, we go ahead and flying glass from exploding light bulbs starts to fly all over the room and uh, is starting to cut some of the staff members who are sitting there trying to keep doing their work. I mean, in this day and age, though, in the the 60s, uh, the ladies in the office would have been, I imagine, quite freaked out. Oh, absolutely. They, um, They say, we leapt repeatedly up and down the floor overhead to try to make um, our way away from the glass that is shattering all over the place. And then the next thing that happens is that the lamps start to swing in the ceiling. I've witnessed that, that uh, Sedona. Mm. Mm. So on the 30th November, the office is then severed from the mains and a power supply <coughs> is... Um, <coughs> Put in, put to use. It's a seven kilowatt generator truck parked outside. <laughs> oh my god! So they'd be able to witness if somebody comes up and tampers with oh, it. So they bring in a generator. Oh my gosh! Um, the office deflections and crashes continue. The oh lamps gosh. keep on swinging. The bulbs keep on exploding, and the fuses are erratically ejected. Still, pop. Yep. 7th December, over 90 deflections are registered during the morning. Lamps swing so violently that they are smashed against the ceiling, denting the plaster. What? Now, Brunner is um, at, they're all at their wits end. So they ask um, the team from the Institute of Plasma Physics. (gasps) Oh, that's a great team. And Munich University to come through, uh, and they bring in um, Max, oh, sorry, Dr. Krager and Dr. Zicher, um, and they are two of Germany's most eminent physicists. So they're brought in, and they are asked to check out what in freaking hell is going on. And they find that uh, all of the things that are being done. Uh, are happening as they are there, and they have no answer to any of so this. So now they're witnessing it as well. And they're this witnessing is, this? This is scientists, mm-hmm. and they don't like to admit that they can't work out what's going on. Yep. They are, on the 11th of December, they're sitting down and having a chat in one of the office, uh, typist offices, and uh, a painting starts to twist on the hook on the wall. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So Bruno stretches out his hand to straighten the painting and other paintings in the room start to rotate. Oh, that'd be, that'd be <laughs> horrible. Some, some falling to the floor. 
Uh, the typists say they felt unusually tense that morning. Oh, I, I didn't feel quite like myself. That's and, very German, isn't it? <laughs> and then they, when they see this actually start to happen, they just like are just so overwhelmed by fear, they don't know what to do. Uh, yeah, there's no logical explanation. They actually see a painting move and turn 320 degrees. So it's almost a full 360. With its string wrapping around itself on the hook. I reckon at that point in time, they would have just left the place. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm I'm done. I'm going. (laughs) The worst thing is that they cannot find what is controlling this energy what mm. is controlling this spike and no matter how many investigations the physicists do how much monitoring or experiments they do they can't come to a conclusion um, they're fascinated of course um, but it doesn't leave them any answers whatsoever so here are some of the questions that they are you know uh, trying to solve here were the deflections accompanied by voltage surges And the answer to that is no, voltage remained consistent. Were the disturbances caused by high-frequency voltage transmission from outside the office? No, none measured and none found. Um, Is it an electrostatic charge? No. Is it a static magnetic field? None detected. Is it loose contact in the measuring equipment amplifier? None found. A second machine also showed the same anomalies. Is it ultrasonic or infrasonic vibrations? None found. Is it manual interference? So fraud or trickery, impossible. Oh, is anything impossible though? Right. That's just impossible is just the word challenge spelt differently, I reckon. Oh now that's a t shirt. So Karga and Zika, these are the two physicists, um felt that because the telephone anom- anomalies were um so real, like it was it's, it's a physical thing, it's, it's a actually physical happening. Thing. They're they're kind of thinking that there is some sort of intelligent force at work. Um because it's chosen, or whatever this force is, it's chosen to focus on the speaking clock. Um, and it's quite clear that the force, whatever it is, is resisting any type of investigation. Um, and there is, oh, there, you can't think of it in any other way at this case, in this, in this instance, with these two physicists. They don't know why and they don't know how. But they're they're really kind of strong in sort of saying it must be some sort of intelligent force that is doing this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right. Awkward silence. <laughs> Look, he's called in the police by this stage um, because he's just, he's, yeah, he's at his wit's end and he's called in the police and he's trying to work out, you know, who possibly could be doing this. Um, it's somebody, if, if it's a, a human being, then it's somebody who's very clever with a big knowledge of technology. Yep. So they, they could even think it's spies because, I mean, the war hadn't been that long ended. No. Un- unless, you know, you'd have to think, well, what does what does Herr Adam actually deal with in his office? Yes. You know, is it something specific or is it just sort of something that is kind of a day-by-day Doing thing? Doing wills and now, death um, certificates. Yeah. It's, it kind of goes on to talk about the fact that at that point in time, the physicists leave, the police go in and sort of start to do some work, and they kind of think it is this poltergeist activity that is going on. And they start to um, turn their focus on the staff because obviously it's only happening during working hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, at that point, turn it over to you. <gasps> My turn. Mm, okay. Now, before we go any further into this, uh, the way we've we've divvied this up this for this show is um, Renata's taken like the first segment of what was happening, and then I'm taking the the second half of it. But I want to give uh, a big nod to an awesome book called Great Hauntings, which just outlined everything so well. The the editor was Peter Brooksmith, um, and I'm just trying to quickly see 
who was that um, wrote the article, uh, Colin Godman and Lindsay St. Clair. They, they did a great timeline. They did great uh, explanations. But did we have other sources as well. Mm. Tomato sauce, barbecue sauce. You know how it is. Yes. Um, I can barely hear you, Renata. What have you done to your microphone? No, it's fine. Oh, you're there. I'm talking well. All right. So I think we were talking about the Unireg and um, how it the thing started happening in the office at the start of the day. Yes. So this Unireg um, would kick off around about 7.40 a.m. in the morning. And that just happened to be where a certain person would arrive. Now, Bender became very interested in a young lady called Anne-Marie. And that was... Now, that's Hans Bender, which we haven't really introduced yet. Haven't we introduced Hans? No. See, this is what happens when we we record things in halves. (laughs) We run out of time, um, so I think I think we did mention that um, there was there was a some, paranormal team coming yeah, in or um, uh, investigators. So mm-hmm. this is where Hans Bender comes on the scene. Right. Oh, um, now he was actually a doctor. Did you know that, Doctor Bender? Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Bender over. <laughs> no, um, so he w- had an interest in parapsychology and the paranormal world. Mm-hmm. He was German. Yeah. Uh, and he came in after all these other things that were they were sitting up trying to work out what was happening with these energy spikes and, and yes. all that sort of stuff. Yep. And now tried to work out whether there was a source mm-hmm. for the uh, interruptions and the pandemonium going on. And it was with this one person who would arrive at the office at a certain time. And that's when the phenomena would kick off. And her name was, again, Anne-Marie. Deja vu. So he got his team, because there was a team of them, um, to start and sort of look at her, see if they could notice anything happening around her. And in one of the other articles I read is that she was a fairly recent hire. She wasn't there that long. And she was a bit of a troubled individual. Uh, she'd had some failed relationships in the dating world. And uh, she'd also been recently jilted, mm. uh, where she was engaged and uh, it was called off. And I'll explain. That would have been awful. Yeah. So she was under stress. She was under considerable stress. She also apparently hated her job. Mm-hmm. She hated working there. And uh, she was only 19. She was very young. Mm. Right. I don't so, think she liked a boss very much No, either. she didn't. She didn't. Now, what the team started to notice, firstly, is that when she arrived at the office, the phenomena started. There was one of the assistants that actually noticed that when she was walking down the hallway, that the lamps started to swing behind her. And there seemed to be no reason for them. There was no breeze. There was no reason for that to be swinging. Now, the phenomena got that bad that they decided to send the staff off on a short holiday due to stress. And the first person that went off was Anne-Marie. And guess what happened? Nothing. The activity immediately stopped. Oh. Mm, that's ticking that's, that box. That, that's telling, isn't it? It is. Now, when they came back after a few days off, as soon as she returned, the activity kicked off again. But this time it got worse. Mm. 
Now, she became quite anxious about this and started to get jumpy. And when things would happen, she would start screaming and yelping and carrying on. Apparently, the lamp started swinging around her and she screamed. Pictures started swinging, and I do believe that you said they were going 360, almost 360. Uh, They would fall to the floor and the frames would break, but the glass remained intact. There was also a calendar where the pages started to tear off Mm -hmm. in midair. Light bulbs would explode. And there was one where there was a drawer that would slide out. Um, Now, everybody in the office at this stage is starting to get really distressed. They're are trying they to work starting it out. to point the finger by this stage? They are. Mm-hmm. They are. And it's I'll, not going to make anything, any, no. you know, the, the place any more Well, it's not going to make uh, Anne-Marie any, <clears throat> any less stressed, is no, it? No, it's not. So then the Christmas holidays arrived. So at the moment, we're sort of like 1st to 8th of January. Everything was quiet. There's very limited staff or no staff at all. Mm-hmm. They returned back, uh, or Anne-Marie returned back on the 9th. And so did the poltergeist. But even stronger. Mm. You'd think a holiday would calm it down a little bit. Obviously not. Well, let's face it, our holidays don't calm us down at all, do they? (laughs) Now, but is she is she doing it, or has she got some sort of an attachment? Hmm. Good question. Or is she? Um, deliberately doing things. Let the, let's let the story unfold a bit more. So now she was getting electric shocks when she was picking up pictures off the floor that had fallen to the ground. On the 17th of January, Frau Adams mm-hmm. was there with Anne-Marie and she witnessed the light bulbs exploding. Anne-Marie got into such a dither. What, what was that word they used about us? And we got the poos about it. Well, it's not dither. It was, um, don't, don't get your knickers in a knot or something. I can't remember what it was. Remember there was when we were doing some editing and we were replying to someone and they... Oh, what yes. Was it? I can't remember. It'll come to It'll us. It'll come back. All right. So, poor Ella Anne-Marie was that distressed that she actually fled upstairs to the dentist because there was a dentist that was working above them and they had to calm her down. I reckon she was going for the gas. I reckon they're going to put the gas on her. <laughs> That's the last place I'd go to calm down at I a know. dentist. Who goes to a dentist to calm down? Seriously. Um, it's all right. So they got her calm. They sent her back to a desk. Uh-huh. Not letting her go home. Obviously, if they think that she is the culprit, they're not going to let her go home, are they? Mm. The calendar fell from the wall. The desk drawers all started sliding out. Out of one of the drawers, a metal cash box jumped out of the drawer, fell onto the floor and spilt all its contents. Now, um, the the solicitor Adams now is going, all right, this is enough. He called the police. So the police came in. The first thing that, that they're suspicious of is that it all seems to be centred again around Amory. Yeah. And they've got this Officer Wendell. Now, he was in charge of the case and he was positive that it was Amory and he was going to prove it. So he was actually a little bit shocked when they had an incident happen where a 180 kilo cabinet, so that's about 400 pounds. That's, that's even heavier than me. 
by a lot. And uh, it was moved around 30 centimetres, about a foot. And he realised that Amory couldn't have done it because it was just too heavy. She would have had to have an accomplice or if she tried to shove it, mm-hmm. the lino that was underneath it, oh, linoleum for those who aren't aware, lovely floor covering we used to use a lot in in Australia and around the world. Um, the, the lino was intact, nor did it show drag marks. Mm-hmm. So it took... Two big burly policemen to come in and move the thing back into place. And that that's when Wendell started to doubt now that he would actually be able to pin this on Anne-Marie because it's like, how she could do that? Uh, so he, he did go for a search around trying to find tools that may have levered it up or something that she could have used to roll it. Found she nothing. Was, was she sitting there the whole time while Apparently. this was happening? Apparently. So how... Like she can't be in two places. Well, she at once. D- he didn't see that happen. Mm-hmm. They just came and found it there, but she must have been in the vicinity. So the same afternoon, Frau Adams went back to the police to say the cabinet had moved again. At this stage, the girls of the office were in hysterics because they were getting electric shocks up their arms and their legs all day. Now, this cabinet being moved for a second time was one thing, but also on the same day, Tables and chairs had been moved around. There was someone apparently that was sitting on the table and it started to move while they were sitting on the table, Mm -hmm. but in a sort of very jerky sort of fashion. Uh, There was another lady called Frau uh, Bielmeier. I may have typed that incorrectly. I don't know. Um, She left her workstation. As she got up to to move away, her chair started to, um, what do you call it? Levitate. Levitate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there was other chairs, Emery and Fräulein Hubers, uh, their chairs had sunk. Now, you think of office chairs today, we've got the levers with the gas mm-hmm. things. They didn't have that. They had uh, a system where you would pin it into place and lock it into place. So there was no way the chair could move up or down on its own. So how how is this even happening? Uh, one of the professors that was with uh, Hans Bender witnessed one of these chairs, Anne-Marie's chair, move on its own. So there was a witness now. We've got people actually seeing it happen yep. and she's not manipulating things. Yeah. <clears throat> they said that uh, she was very pale and had strange red patches appear on her face. Now, that's like a blotchy sort of thing. That happens when you're embarrassed or yeah, stressed. stressed. At this stage, they decided to sack her. They, they just decided that was enough. Mm-hmm. Now, Hans Bender had asked her to keep a diary for what was happening, uh, and she wrote for the day that she was sacked, As from today, I am on the sick list. I hope everything will proceed quickly so I can have my rest at last. When she left, the phenomena stopped. Apparently, there was so much damage that it actually cost 15,000 marks to repair all the damage. Wow. Uh, Hans Bender did ask her to come in and do some testing in the... uh, um, Lab. In the lab, because this is the thing with sceptics. They want to be able to reproduce phenomena under lab conditions to prove that it's not hoaxed. 
So she reluctantly apparently came in from the 21st to the 26th of January in 1968. They set up the circuits and the equipment exactly the same as they had in the office, hoping to reproduce what had happened. Guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, that's just, yeah, that's awful. Oh, I would have... I would have loved her to have produced a whole stack of phenomena because how exciting would it be to, um, to, have, prove it. to have someone like that who could actually do all of those mm-hmm, things? Mm-hmm. But they tested her for ESP. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she scored very highly, but only when the uh, tests were done and they were attaching an unpleasant memory to the test. Oh. So you know what that means, is that stress and frustration... Triggered her. Triggers her. So that was... Was it Hans Bender saying, well, I'm going to prove to you that this was through ESP and and she did it all through the power of her mind? He had to find a way to, to save face, so to speak. So he concocted that, or did it really happen? Hmm. Hmm. So another thing that they did is they tested her psychologically. <laughs> Poor lady, as if she hasn't suffered enough. It was concluded through the psychological test that she was unstable, irritable, and suffered from frustrated rages. I wonder if she had ADHD. <laughs> it's it's possible yeah it's yeah but one thing that they did note in the testing that when she was denied something when they said you can't have this or you can't do that she became really aggressive mm-hmm. but suppressed it so the whole idea is that Hans Bender believed that she was bottling up this emotion and this rage and this dissatisfaction of the unfairness of life um and it became discharged as an event. Mm-hmm. And that's what they talk about sometimes with poltergeists, that it is a build-up. And it's not necessarily one person. It could be a collective of people who are suffering through the same event. Mm-hmm. And it becomes like blowing up a balloon too far and then it explodes. My intrigue in it all is that even if it's a subconscious thing where <clears throat> this energy is um, released... How does it become so targeted? Targeted. Mm. How how does it choose to take a painting on a wall and flip it? Well, I may have some information on that for you. Oh, okay. All that right. you you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do like a bit of intrigue. Now they spoke to her regular doctor, and they said that she has like severe nervous issues. Mm-hmm. That she also has hyper. Amia, hyperamia, which is blood that gathers in one place and she would get cramps. Mm. Now, the cramps, when she would get them, she would cry out, her eyes would glaze over. She'd particularly get them in her fingers and toes and her knees and hips would flex agonizingly. Now, I want to point out that that is actually part of ADHD Mm -hmm. where you have hyper. Um, flexation in your joints Mm -hmm. and you end up with sore joints because you don't have the ability to control um, Mm -hmm. the 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 way how far they're being extended Mm -hmm. 
that's why I'm just throwing out the whole... Because we've been researching ADHD mm-hmm. because we're very interested in it. You could actually put that also in the category of someone who looks possessed. Oh, yes. Mm. <gasps> I like where you go. Oh, I've got goosebumps, Renata. Mm. Now, Bender actually came up with some suggestions as to why the phenomena was taking place in a specific ways. Now, Amory may have been constantly thinking, looking at a watch, going, how much longer? How much longer? How much longer do I have to be at work? I want to get out of here. Mm -hmm. She was um, focused on getting away from the place, which then could have been the clock calls. Mm -hmm. Uh, The damage in the office could have been from her hate of the job, hate of the workplace, hate of the women probably that she worked with. She Uh, was so much younger than all of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently, um, I've got something a little bit later about Anne-Marie's looks, which I thought was horrible. But anyway, um, there's also a comment that Herr Adams made where he sarcastically said, all we need now is the paintings to start moving. Now, she was in the room moments later. Painting started moving. Paintings moved. But was he the trigger for that? Hmm. Instead of Anne-Marie? I just thought I'd throw that in anyway. So it does seem that emotional issues were the trigger. Um, She also has had a fiancé at some stage or other, and Bender thought that she might have been subconsciously trying to get rid of the fiancé, who was an electrical engineer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm married to an electrical engineer. I understand. I love you, Roman. You, but there, we understand your frustration, special, Anne-Marie. They're a special breed. Um, now, this is a quote from her. <laughs> I love that. That's I funny. I know. <laughs> um, this is a quote. We have been engaged for three years, and no. once, once a week we would go bowling. That says it all. <laughs> yep, it does, because I just think of how many years I was with Roman. Six years before we got engaged. On one occasion, the... Um, the relays that uh, moved the pins up and down and returned the bowling ball um, uh, started to play up and they were put out of action. Now, she said that she didn't know what they were talking about, but my fiancé took the whole thing way too seriously and said that under the circumstances, marriage would be quite impossible. And she got unengaged at that moment. Oh, Because no. he blamed her. For the bowling things, (coughs) starting to misbehave. And apparently it took her ages to get over the jilting and she felt very victimised by it. Now, the the team did follow up with her quite a few years later. uh, In April of 1975, they, they met up again to see if things had changed for her and what had happened since she got fired from the firm. They described her as a stout, plain girl with a sad, prematurely aged face. Aww. Isn't that horrible? You rotten bastards. Yeah, what's that got to do with her psychic ability, you rotters? Anyway, um, she had been employed by another solicitor who knew about the stories about her, but what would happen as soon as anything weird or unusual happened in the office, they immediately pointed the finger at her and, and sacked her. Anything. And She'd said, I, I never had influence over anything. I was very hurt indeed. Some of the people she worked with are very superstitious and they started to call her a witch. Mm-hmm. They even blamed her for the death of a worker in a paper factory. 
That re- that woman is responsible for the death just mm-hmm. because she was working there at the time mm-hmm. of the accident. At the accident, she got blamed. She actually got bullied out of a job that time. She didn't get sacked. They bullied her out of the job. Sounds like the witch trials, doesn't it? It does. Um, at that stage, she decided she had enough of small towns and um, gossipy people and people who knew everything about her. So she moved to a big town to get away from everything that was happening. And once she moved to the big city where nobody knew her, the phenomena stopped. Oh, dear. So maybe once she, she didn't have that stress, things stopped. But let me dig out my notes for the juicy stuff now. This is the stuff we love. There were some newspaper articles that were printed. In April 1970, there was a story put in the German newspaper saying, um, with the heading of false spirits and real swindlers. Mm. They, they claimed that the disturbances were emis- initially made by Adams were fraudulent. The authors wrote that they visited Adams' law office and discovered nylon threads attached to office fixtures such as overhead lights and wall plates when pulled would cause the fixtures to move and concluded that the public had been tricked by tricks. Adam apparently filed a legal injunction to stop publication of this book that they had written. It was not granted. Uh, so that was, yeah, Mm-hmm. Sorry, not the, it was the name of a book, sorry, um, but there was an article in the newspaper. So, uh, that's, I don't know, I don't. You had a lot of people in that small <laughs> office. You had police coming yeah, in. Yeah, you would have tripped over nylon string. And a nylon string is not going to move a 180 kilo cabinet. Yes. That to me sounds like somebody who is trying to make money off something that's happened. Oh, I don't know anyone who would do that sort of thing, would you, Renata? No, I don't oh, know. I don't know anyone that makes books or films out of hauntings. Mm, and oh. says, you know, make stuff up if mm. you don't have enough and yeah. make it scary. Don't know. Yeah. Don't know who you're talking about. There was another sceptic. This is where I get annoyed when sceptics will just make stuff up to debunk a case. Uh-huh. And, and um, <clears throat> Houdini was one of them. Uh, the uh, Dutch journalist Pete Heinhobens said that Bender never actually published a full report on his investigations. Uh, so they've got no way to check to what extent the parapsychologist had been successful excluding naturalistic explanations. It sounded to me like they went a long way to try and explain it with all the workmen that were coming in yes. and, and doing all of that. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, he said, worse is that Bender omits from his account the highly significant fact that Amory was caught in fraud by a policeman. Neither does he mention the inconclusive but curious discoveries reported by the Viennese magician Alan. <laughs> I just want to say that again. What's that got to do the, with anything? The Viennese magician Alan. Alan. <laughs> After a visit to the Rosenheim office during the poltergeist outbreak, he states it was possible to capture a phenomena um, on Ampex film. (laughs) He does not tell us why persons who know something of the background of the incident refuse to be impressed with this piece of evidence. Because I don't consider that to be evidence. He just said, you can capture this phenomena with this sort of film. (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-bloody-doo. And I'm not saying that 
it wasn't fraudulent. I'm just saying these are pretty weak, mm-hmm. weak bloody things. All right. Uh, now let's go over to here. Uh, yeah, I've had that little bit. Um, I found it. The last little bit I'm just going to add in before we go to our summarizations is. According to this book, then this is Exposed, Uncovered and Declassified Ghost Spirits and Hauntings, Am I Being Haunted by Lloyd Auerbach, Joshua Warren and Andrew Nichols. Um, They said it's even been suggested that it was brought about by Sigmund Adam himself in order to gain publicity for his business. His firm subsequently prospered, arguably as a result of the notoriety. Uh, or it could be, uh, as Bender hinted, that the intense repressed emotions of an immature young woman had manifested themselves in a very strange way. Well, now what do we say after all of that? I still find it just very intriguing and bizarre all the things that happened all the things that were mentioned in the first part with you know the the gas company the the electricity board the the meters being changed yeah. you have to have even, someone who has technical knowledge to be able to fiddle with that a generator for yes. a while yeah <laughs> Yeah, a generator in the front of the office. It was only that particular office in a whole block of buildings yeah. as well. Um, there's too many technical things. Like like they mentioned right at the very beginning, this is one of the cases that was so finely um, written about and has so much data about it that it is very, very hard to... Um, you know, to kind of go, well, we don't have nothing. We're just going to make stuff up. Yeah, well, that's what I felt like with the sceptics is that it, they've they've made really poor, as we like to say in Australia, piss weak efforts mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. explain what it was. Yeah. So, is this a true poltergeist or haunting story, Renata? I think it is. You think it is? I think it is. I think it could be. Yeah. I think it could be. Uh, I feel sorry for Anne-Marie. I do. To be hounded out of the, basically towns because of the gossip, and she may have been somebody who truly possessed abilities, mm-hmm. and because she was treated so badly, never be able to get to study them. But on the other hand, you had to treat her badly to see the phenomena. So what happens there? Yeah, hmm, yeah. it's a conundrum. What do you guys think? Do you think this is a true haunting? Do you think this is a true poltergeist? If you've got more information, please send it through and let us know. If you want to support the work we're doing, don't forget. Buy me a coffee, Anne and Renata. The links are in the comments below. We'd really appreciate your support. We're about to head off to New Orleans now. New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Uh, And don't forget also, if you uh, click onto uh, the information that is associated with this particular uh, episode, you will find a little link there and you can vote for us in the Australian Podcast Awards Listener's Choice. Please, please, please. Please, if we can get anywhere up to the best 50 in Australia, that would be awesome absolutely awesome anyway guys we've got to get out of here because we've got to go and do our show thanks for being here uh be frightfully good see you on the dark side uh, stay uh, see, oh what is stay spooky with, stay yeah, spooky. i don't know and don't be a dickhead, don't be a dickhead. <laughs> bye bye everyone 
Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.